Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is putting a grade on it. So Jalen and I are going to look at six WNBA free agency moves, and we're going to grade on a scale of A plus to F on how we feel about these moves. The first move we're going to talk about is arguably the biggest move in the WNBA so far, Candace Parker to the Chicago Sky. Jalen, what grade are you giving this move? Yeah, so I think with this one, this is like a very B, B-plus level move. I think this is one of those where L.A. is going to feel it, unfortunately. I think they're going to be one of the teams that takes the biggest uh, you know, leap of faith come WNBA draft time, I think they're the one that is going to have to really sit down and think really hard about what they want their future to be at the forward spot um, for them because they're losing a lot of production in one player. Candace Parker averaged nearly 15 points, nearly 10 rebounds, and nearly five assists um, a game. Talking about a two-time MVP, five-time All-Star. And going beyond just that, you know, the big thing for the sky is that they kind of add a significant talent to a team that wasn't really that bad to begin with. If you really take a look at what they've got uh, production wise, I mean, obviously I would say um, I remember when we did our WNBA um, all NBA teams or whatever, I remember that Courtney Vandersloot was somebody that ended up being on being one of my selections. Averaged thirteen point six points and ten assists a game. They had five players last season average double digits, with the the lowest amount being Azura Stevens with eleven point five. So this team, you go down the list: Allie Quigley, Kalea Copper, obviously Vandersloot, Cheyenne Parker is another big one. Um, who was kind of a big shot taker and big shot maker for them for a good portion of last season as well. I think that you add someone like Candace Parker to this. I think you could argue that they're like a top four team now, like legitimately uh, put a stamp on it. Top four team. I think, I don't know if it's as definitive as maybe how we feel about like Seattle, for example, or like maybe how we still feel about the Mercury, despite the way the postseason went last year. But I think that Chicago is like legitimately in the mix as a Final Four team now. I would have to agree, and I give this move an A. I think this move was great for Chicago, as Parker last season averaged close to 15 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game, and close to 4.5 assists a game. I actually thought Candace Parker was going to re-sign with L.A. because I thought she was L.A. for life. She was somebody who we really weren't expecting to leave L.A. However, this is maybe the perfect move for Chicago because they're getting one of the best WNBA basketball players possibly of all time. They're getting the reigning defensive player of the year, They're getting a five-time All-Star. 
They're getting a two-time MVP. They're getting a six-time All-WNBA first-team selection. And they're also getting the league's leading rebounder from last year. You pair Candace Parker up with an already established solid big three of Allie Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot, and Kalia Cooper. You have the ability to contend this year. And Jalen, I absolutely agree with you that this is a top four team now in the WNBA. I think you might slowly be sliding me closer to a B plus or an A just out of the fact that I didn't even really think about it from a dis- defensive uh, perspective in terms of what that adds. Because like you mentioned beforehand, defensive player of the year, because it's coming off of, she's coming off of averaging 1.2 steals and 1.2 blocks per game. I think the other thing too is that I think Candace Parker is going to slide into whatever role she is given, which I believe is still going to be a league, a lead role at the forward position um, as the primary scoring option for them. I think she's going to be able to slide into it pretty seemingly. And I think it has a lot to do with her shooting efficiency. It seems like one of those things where she understands her pockets. And I think having a facilitator like Vandersloot actually might make this transition a little bit easier for her. She shot 39.6% from three last season shot 53.8 percent from two within the arc and then when you look at it overall it just kind of seems like one of those things where when you give a relatively efficient shooter a very dynamic facilitating guard like Fandersloot and then you throw that into the mix that she also provides you know defensive acumen obviously like you said beforehand um with the defensive player of the year and the team is already relatively, quote unquote, loaded offensively in terms of the amount of players that they already have that we know are capable of putting the ball in the basket. I think this is not necessarily like a move they had to do. Like had they missed out on um, Parker, it would have been like the worst offseason ever. But I think it was like the move that like single-handedly might be out of all the moves we talk about today, it might be the move that is the biggest needle mover for one specific team. I think that might be debatable as we go down the list, but with this caliber of a player, I think you could definitely chalk it up as one of the the bigger moves of the offseason, like you let off at the top of the of the top of the podcast. So moving on to our next free agency move, Alicia Clark to the Washington Mystics. Jalen Given that you're a fan of the Mystics, how do you feel about this move? What grade do you give this? So I got to be honest, this is like a I, this is like a C level move for me. And I, I like Alicia Clark legitimately. 10 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.7 assists last year. Um, obviously a two-time WNBA champion with the Seattle Storm. Um, I think one of the bigger things, obviously, is the fact that she's a knockdown three-point shooter, 52% from the three-point line, shot 58%, nearly 60% from within the arc. Um, I think the fact that she's such an efficient scorer and definitely like a three-points marksman is huge. And I like that they went after that, especially because that gives Elena Deladon somebody to also work, work off of um down low this is another one of those players similar to Misaman that can stretch the floor for them and I think it's going to significantly help them in the three-point department but 
the reasoning behind it is a little not sketchy to me, but I don't love it that much. So the reason why they went after Alicia Clark was apparently because Ariel Powers was slow to sign. That it's like, ah, you know what I mean? Like now we're now we're comparing apples to oranges in terms of what we're talking about in the kind of player that you get from Alicia Clark and the kind of player that you get from Ariel Powers. Now, obviously, they both kind of occupy the same position. You would say that Ariel Powers is more of a guard forward type as opposed to um, Alicia Clark, who pretty much is a solid four or five um, through and through. So really, it just comes down to what your preference is. I think that Alicia Clark is the better three-point shooter. I mean, that comes up in the statistics as well, significantly better as a three-point shooter. But Ariel Powers creates her own shot better and is a better just overall shot creator for others, despite the fact that she doesn't she doesn't have as many assists or that much more assists than Alicia Clark does. So maybe I'm just like in the spur of the moment, like you said before, am I a Mystics fan? So maybe I'm just in the spur of the moment that Ariel Powers was a legit cog on our team. And uh, although she didn't play a lot last season, I still thought that her coming back would be a significant upgrade for the team overall, especially with Elena Deladon being expected to play this season or like at least assumed to play this season. So I think seeing a talent like Ariel Powers go out the door is kind of rough for the Mystics. I think that getting Alicia Clark is a decent, a, a decent move to make to kind of put a band-aid on the situation. I think the Mystics losing Ariel Powers was huge. However, I'm slightly more optimistic about this move. I'm going to give this a B plus. I think Alicia Clark is a good addition. She just came off of a huge finals win with Seattle as well. She averaged 10 points a game four rebounds and close to three assists a game. And she shot over 50% from the field and from three last season. And you mentioned that she's a, a solid three-point shooter. So that's another element that she can provide to the Washington Mystics. She also averages over a steal and a half a game, proving she can get done on both sides of the floor. But looking at it as a whole, I feel like they're swapping one scoring option with another. And I think that, they're also going to get back Deladon, which is huge considering that she missed out on last season. She would have been really helpful for that playoff run as, as well. They also re-signed Latoya Sanders, and they also have to prioritize in re-signing Emma Misaman and Tina Charles. But they also have other solid players on this team that are part of the supporting cast, like Maisha Hines-Allen, who was huge for the Mystics in stepping up for them in the bubble as well as Ariel Atkins. So I think for this season, Clark could be a great addition. And there's a slight chance that the Mystics can make it back to the finals. I think it really just all comes down to whether or not Deladon is healthy, whether or not they re-sign Misaman and Charles. I think there's multiple factors that really come down to the possibility if the Mystics can get back to the finals. So I'm going to bring this up. This is kind of some off-camera stuff, but I feel like it's conducive to what the conversation that we're having is um, right now. Um, Ryan, me and you were talking a little bit the other day about, you know, where a lot of these moves either move a team up or move a team down. And we were kind of debating whether or not this would 
affect or overall what these moves, how these moves would affect teams making the playoffs or missing the playoffs. And one of the teams that you initially had put as missing the playoffs was DC, just based on what we were initially looking at. Obviously, we still have to factor in Elena coming back and things like that. You mentioned a lot of players that kind of had to get locked up if we we're going to be able to see what this full team looks like. But just taking a look at the aerial powers for Alicia Clark swap, essentially, not literally, obviously, but in terms of um, on the Mystics roster, do you think that that necessarily helps them, hurts them, or keeps them just about, you know, in the middle as a middle of the pack team? I would say it keeps them at the middle. I mean, they're, they're essentially getting back the same team from last year. I think it really just comes down to, like I said, if they re-sign Misaman, if they re-sign Charles, they are getting Deladon healthy, which is huge for this team. Like I mentioned, especially with the playoff run that they had last year, how they really could have used her. It's tough because in the six games that Ariel Powers played in, she averaged 16 points a game, close to five rebounds and two and a half assists. She's a versatile player on both sides of the floor. That's one thing that might hurt them in the long run. But they're essentially getting a player who, in, in Clark, has just come off of a finals win, and she's a slightly more efficient three-point shooter than Powers is. I think it's tough because I don't really like see this move moving the needle as as you said earlier i just think that this move for washington kind of keeps them in the same position that they were before they made this move it's not really like a game changer move either i think that adding alicia clark does give you another scoring option but i think this is a move that people are going to feel indifferent about i mean and it makes sense i mean the way the reason why i ask is just because that's a little bit more more of a reason why I feel like this is like a C, C plus move. It's a very middle of the middle of the grade scale kind of move because I think it doesn't really move them that far away from the middle of the pack. It's a team that finished nine and 13 last year. And just, I mean, we were talking about it towards the back end of the season. We thought the wings were in. I, we said this for like the last two weeks of the season. We thought the wings were in and they pretty much flopped. We're out by one game and you know, DC snuck in essentially. So I don't think they're going to be as sneaky of a team this year. If Elena is playing and Misa Min is there, Tina Charles did resign. Um, and then you obviously throw in Alicia Clark, who is going to significantly improve their three-point shooting, which on, honestly, I feel like did not need very much help when we mentioned just Elena Deladon and Misa Min being a- a- active members of the roster because that was pretty much Misaman's ticket to fame in their in their finals run was the way that she was shooting the ball from deep. So I still think that it's a pretty solid move. I again I agree with you. I just wonder how much of a needle mover it is for them as a team because some of these other teams are extremely dangerous. And it's funny, um, you know, Connecticut is a team that we're not going to talk about today because uh, we haven't really seen them make any moves yet there's still a team that we could debate is better than Washington right now. So that just goes to tell you how good the league actually is right now. And everybody's movement is actually kind of making things even more intriguing. So our next move that we're going to talk about is Chelsea Gray to the Las Vegas Aces. Jalen, what grade do you give this move? 
So I, I got to look at this one, and this is one of those where I got to give this one a, a, maybe even an A plus, honestly. This is one of the most solid moves in the WWE, WWE, um, WNBA right now. Sorry, putting too much together. But um, in the WNBA, there's, there's, when it comes to free agency, there's two kind of moves I feel like right now from what we're seeing, mainly because Ryan, we both had the uh, feeling that there wasn't going to be a lot of players on the move. We thought it was going to be a lot of re-signings. So the two kind of moves that there are, are the players that make you significantly better and put you in a better position in the standings. And there's the players that put, that make you better than you were last season, but make you a more dangerous overall team come postseason this is one of those moves that makes you better come postseason time because the las vegas aces were cool last year perfectly fine last year without um someone of this caliber in in chelsea gray they were perfectly fine as far as i'm concerned if we go down the list for the kind of production that they had obviously with aja wilson being the mvp which kind of you know cherry on top that you get to pair chase chelsea gray with that but Let's just go down exactly who Las Vegas was last season. First in points per game, third in opponents points per game, second in pace of play, second in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. I mean, hey, they also were the number one seed in the WNBA. I, I mean, they were pretty cool without a, a player of the caliber of Chelsea Gray beforehand which only kind of makes this whole thing even more interesting when you think about the pairing with Aja Wilson. Like, I think we all kind of understood that Aja was going to have to step up significantly with some of the injuries and stuff that was taking place last year, but we didn't expect the jump that I think we saw. I mean, even me and you were kind of slow to the party when it came to what she was going to end up doing moving forward. And we were kind of down on the, on the, uh, the aces early on. Um, granted, we were very mercury Seattle heavy. So we might've just kind of been looking with rose colored glasses through the whole thing. But I think adding Chelsea gray is going to be huge. I'm going to let you go a little bit more into the statistical side of things, but I think that this is a legit star player duo situation that we have going on and i think with the fact that the aces were already as good as they are they're going to get a lot of players back from injury i mean we already thought they were going to be pretty solid coming into this season just by getting healthy but yeah chelsea great to the mix and now they look extremely dangerous the interesting thing is that one of the first WNBA episodes we did we were highlighting players and one of the players i highlighted was aja wilson and i said that the only way las vegas succeeds is if Aja Wilson steps up. And I think it's easy to say that she stepped up in a major way because she helped her team get to the finals, and she also got the MVP. And Las Vegas just added another great player to a loaded roster already that just came off of a finals appearance. Chelsea Gray averaged 14 points, three and a half rebounds, and five assists with the Sparks last year. She's been a solid playmaker throughout her career, and. An interesting fact that I saw on WNBA.com about the signing, Chelsea Gray and, and uh, the Phoenix Mercury's Skylar Diggins-Smith are the only players over the past four seasons 
to average more than 14 points and five assists. I think it tells you more about her consistency as a player, as she's one of the more consistent scorers in the WNBA, and she's one of the one of the more solid facilitators as well. What this means is that the Aces really have a great chance to go back to the finals this year. They're getting back Liz Cambridge and Kelsey Plum. They already have the reigning MVP in Aja Wilson. They just re-signed De'Erica Hamby, and they still have Angel McCautry. Now you have Chelsea Gray. I think the real reason why I didn't give this an A+, is mainly because I think it's going to be interesting to see how how the return of Liz Cambridge and Kelsey Plum affects the chemistry on the floor as they come off a championship appearance. I think I completely agree with that statement more than anything. And that's kind of why I couldn't lean into the plus category either was just out of the fact that they're adding so much. Aja took such a significant step forward. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's super crazy because I mean, obviously her rookie season, she averaged 20.7 last season, she averaged 20.5. Like, it's not in year three, she she stepped up as an overall, I guess, lead on the team. But overall, she's kind of still been a relatively consistent player as a high volume scorer these last three years. But one of my biggest things that I think is going to translate really well is the fact that they're two, I guess you could say, star players. Um, if we're talking about including Chelsea Gray as well. And the fact that Aja Wilson still, again, is coming off MVP. So I think that some of the talent they're adding is going to be, you know, relatively up there, but Aja Wilson and Chelsea Gray alone are both averaging nearly three steals per game combined. Throw on top of that, that Aja Wilson averages uh, 2.0 blocks per game as of last season. So overall averaging like just about almost two blocks a game for her, for her relatively short career so far. So I think the biggest thing, too, is just the fact that we know that they have two legitimate star options offensively that also play hard on the other side of the ball. And I think that's going to be really huge, too, in terms of translating the chemistry. Um, Looking at it, both of these players are relatively um, consistent in the way that they play. Basically, since since the day Chelsea Gray became an all-star back in 2017, she is never not average 14 points per game. I mean, it's pretty much like she's never not averaged 14 points per game, if not a little bit more, has averaged at least somewhere between 4.5 assists and about nearly six assists per game. Basically, when you look at it, it's one of those things where you have two relatively consistent players. I think both both the team and Chelsea Gray are coming with chips on their shoulder. I mean... Los Angeles was not very good. <laughs> they were not they were not very good um, last season at all, unfortunately. And she was not an all-star last year. I'm sure that she still wants to prove to the rest of the WNBA that she's still legitimately an all-star. Aja Wilson and the, uh, the Las Vegas Aces made it to the finals. But they went to bed. And I'm sure that they don't want that to be the, their, their only considerable chance at really winning a championship in this era where Seattle is like going crazy. So I think they both come in with something to prove. And I think it's going to be really good for both of them moving forward. Like you said beforehand, most interesting thing for sure is going to be watching how the chemistry develops because they got a lot of players coming back and they got a lot of players that got something to prove. So moving on now to our next free agency move, 
Benaja Laney to the New York Liberty. Jalen, what do you think about this move? What grade do you give it? So I think this is huge. I'm going to put this because I think that what their draft pick, what they do with their draft pick is actually a little bit more important than what they do with free agency. But I'm going to give this a smooth B plus because you're going to get the most improved player in the WNBA right now. And I mean, when I talk about most improved, like this is like by no joke, like she was on the Indiana fever a season ago prior averaging 5.6 points, 1.7 assists, and 4.2 rebounds, and her calling card was the 1.4 steals per game. Last season with Atlanta, 17.2 points per game, four assists, still gets 1.6 steals per game, and near and nearly five rebounds per game. I mean, like, it was like the, when she was voted most improved player of the year, I almost like had to look back and be like, oh, wow, we, we completely didn't even realize that she was on this ascension. Like when we talked about most improved player, I don't even think she was mentioned when we were doing our WNBA awards. So I think that that is a significant signing for New York. And, you know, obviously – the person that we're going to talk about the most when it comes to New York. If you don't know, I'm going to let you know now. It's a, it's a Sabrina Ionescu, pretty much hands down their best player out of Oregon. Didn't get to play much last season, which broke all HTP's hearts because we wanted to talk about her for most of the year. I think this year we're going to have a chance to. Ryan, I think one of the biggest things that we need to touch on when it comes to this signing in terms of how it improves New York. Remember, Laney went from averaging literally just under six points a game to just barely over 17 points per game. The New York Liberty were the worst scoring offense in the WNBA last year. The worst, 12 out of 12. Same thing with the offensive rating, and they were bottom three in opponents and opponents points per game and just overall defense. So I think this is when you add a player that is has is coming off of the kind of improvement that Laney is, I think that automatically induces a certain level of confidence into New York, along with the fact that they know that they're getting their star player Sabrina back all in the same offseason, along with another, you know, top level pick in this year's draft. So I think that this is like a B plus move. I just want to see what they do in the draft next. And I really am praying that all the stuff comes out positively about Sabrina being healthy entering the year. I like the move. And I think that she's a solid fit for New York's offensive scheme. I'm giving this a B minus though. I think there's too many questions surrounding the New York Liberty. You mentioned statistically what she averaged, and I'm just impressed. 17 points, close to five rebounds, four assists last season. But I feel like the team that she signed with is a very interesting team. I think there's a lot of components. First of all, they're getting Sabrina Ionescu back, which is huge. And Jalen, you mentioned this already. I would love to talk more about how great of a player Sabrina Ionescu was coming out of college. And she was such a huge addition to this team 
considering how well she was playing before she got hurt and how much of an offensive spark she was on the court. I think she was living up to all that potential that that was surrounding her when she was coming out of Oregon. But then they also had Laisha Clarendon, Kia Nurse, and Jasmine Jones as great players who gave them a lot of scoring last season while Sabrina was out. Here's the interesting thing, though. You mentioned that they have the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Here's what's also interesting. Amanda Zowie B is still a free agent. One of their up-and-coming players, who I think will eventually be a solid player in the league, she's still a free agent. And I think my main question is, why haven't you re-signed her yet? So I think that there's multiple factors. There's whether or not Sabrina is healthy and ready to go, which that question pretty much is answered. She's ready to go. How well is this supporting cast going to play? Supporting cast meaning Laisha Clarendon, Kia Nurse, Jasmine Jones. What are they going to do with the number one overall pick? And are they going to re-sign Amanda Zowie B? So for now, my grade is a B minus. But I think with all these components together, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward, especially with what they do with the number one pick. And I think it's going to determine the direction going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I guess I definitely see where you stand on all of that stuff because of the fact that we're talking about a lot of question marks for a team that already wasn't really that good last year. But we also have to throw in there that with every question mark we have so far this offseason there's also a lot of asterisks to how last season went obviously again Sabrina did not get to play for most of the year but when she did play in the three games she played averaged 18.3 points per game 4.7 rebounds per game and four assists she was literally there everything offensively initially even though I think they went like one and two in those games actually but it was one and two or two and one or something like that but um It was overall, it's one of those things where I think when you get that influx of a player and then you look back at, like I said, what Laney did offensively and to a certain extent defensively as a player that could definitely play within passing lanes and stuff like that, that was obvious with the steals numbers. I think that it's one of those things where I don't know. I just don't want to necessarily sleep on New York getting a talent like that that is peaked or improved at just the right time. Now, maybe you could argue that as part of Atlanta, maybe that was just like the perfect scenario to get good. You know what I mean? As one of the bottom four teams in the league, maybe it was just a really good chance to get good. But at the same time, I think taking that significant leap and then getting that player right after such a confident season like that is just the kind of influx of talent that a New York team that is coming off a really, really bad year could really use along with the fact that obviously they have the number one overall pick and they have Sabrina Ionescu already on the team. So I think some of the some of the free agency issues are like good problems to have because they have a lot of they, they have a lot to work with. So the last two free agency signings we're going to talk about both signed with Minnesota and we're talking about Ariel Powers and Kayla McBride. Jalen, what grade do you give both of these moves? So in combination, I have to give this like an A because I think this might be the biggest two player signing we see all off season. I don't think there's any other like 
duo, so to speak, that you could go after at this point in terms of putting a team together the way Minnesota has. I think it is extremely interesting to see how deep in their bag they went to make this happen. You know what I mean? In terms of we're talking about really giving this team more firepower. Um, you, we already talked about aerial powers a little bit earlier when talking about the Mystics. If you look at Caleb McBride, definitely shares up the guard position by by a long shot. Like this is one of those moves that is like the I'm certain move <laughs> kind of thing. 12.5 points per game, 2.3 rebounds, 2.4 assists. I'm going to go less away from the counting stats and focus more so on the efficiencies, though. 42.5% from the floor overall, just barely under 35% from three and 47% from within the arc. I think that is something that's going to be really huge. I don't think that Caleb McBride is going to be a player that's going to demand the ball a lot. I don't think that's going to be one of those things where you in you you put a strong lead guard like her in and she's going to demand to be an overall facilitator. I think when you look at everything, I think one of the biggest things she's going to have to improve on to be a real cog in this system for this team is going to be catch and shoot three point um uh three point catch and shoot because of the fact that I think this team is going to be able to get her open looks. I think this team is going to get a lot of people open looks with the kind of availability they have at each position. But I also think um, that because they have so many mouths to feed, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what they do moving forward in terms of the chemistry aspect. This is one of those things where it's not – so it's not super similar to Phoenix in terms of having the three-headed monster who gets their turn kind of thing, uh, especially with uh, Crystal Dangerfield being like the lead in all of this. But I think that it has the caliber of making Minnesota somewhere in the realm of being as dangerous as Phoenix. And I thought that Phoenix kind of underachieved in the playoffs last season, if I'm just speaking personally, where, where that finish took place. But nonetheless, I still think that this makes Minnesota, like, scary good. And, I mean, that's it's kind of odd to, to say, but they definitely got significantly better. They were literally middle of the pack in, like, every statistical category last season. And now they're, like, adding two like elite level players at their position. So I think that's huge. So I'm going to give both of these moves an A minus. I think both of these moves were good for Minnesota. And I think that they are helpful and they improve on the offensive end. McBride averaged 12 and a half points last season, which actually was down from the year prior. I think she should fit in this, um, in with this team well, considering that, McBride is a solid three-point shooter, and the Lynx are a solid three-point shooting team. They were third in three-point percentage last season. And she enters a loaded backcourt with Crystal Dangerfield and Odyssey Sims as well. And then Ariel Powers, who we mentioned earlier, 16 points a game, close to five rebounds, close to two and a half assists a game. She did all of this while battling an injury and only playing six games last season. And She's proven that she's versatile on both sides of the floor and she could play multiple positions. I think the real winner is not just Minnesota. I think the real winner is Nafisa Collier because both of these moves benefit her 
as the Lynx are trying to build the team around her. So I think that those are all really great points. I think that Minnesota is on the uptick. Like I said, being in the middle of the pack statistically um, last season, I think that these are two really good moves that can help mainly improve. I think it's going to improve both sides of the ball, but I think offensively this is where they take the step forward. I mean, they were sixth in, a, uh, in points per game, fifth in opponents per game, uh, opponents points per game, 11th in pace, second in offensive rating, which might be their biggest bright spot, and then seventh in defensive rating. So when I say middle of the pack, I mean legitimately middle of the pack. And I mean, realistically, that kind of makes sense because if we go back and look, remember, there's only eight playoff teams that get to get in. Guess where they finished? (laughs) I mean, literally smack dab in the middle at four. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you look at all of it. Um, Ryan, something I want to I want to go back to something for a second, because I want to I want to go back to New York. And maybe it's just the, the fact that uh, we didn't get to talk about Sabrina a lot last season. So I'm harping on it now. Um, going back and look at it, I do have to um, fact check myself. They actually did not win a single game while Sabrina was healthy, um, unfortunately. But she had a couple standout games, including a 33 point game in that stretch that made things look like there was a certain kind of uptick that was going to take place. My question to you, because you were a little bit lower on the move, you highlighted to me off camera that there's a center from Texas, Charlie Collier, that is projected to go number one overall to New York. You mentioned to me about the whole thing with the free agency issue at the at the at that position as well. You've mentioned it already on the pod. Do you feel like center even is the big position of need to address in the draft? Whether whether their situation free agency wise gets handled or not. I'm going to say no because they already have an established center in Amanda Zowie B. I think that if you go and get another center, you're basically indicating that you're not going to resign Zowie B or Zowie B which first of all is a huge loss if you don't resign her, especially if she goes to another team like, for example, Chicago, who already just picked up Candace Parker. That would be a huge loss for your team, especially when you're getting in the number one overall pick who, yes, is a proven commodity coming out of Texas. But at the same time, I think that you should focus on trying to build around Sabrina. I think that you already have a lot of pieces right now with, like I mentioned earlier, Clarendon, as well as Jasmine Jones. You're also getting back Asia Durr as well. And I think you're trying to just build around Sabrina. I think that a lot of the issues were the fact that they really couldn't, they they really didn't have a lot of production outside of the three players that I mentioned in Clarendon, Kia Nurse, and Jasmine Jones. I think you need to, find more scoring options. And I think that if you use the move to draft Collier, I don't think it's a bad move, but I think what you're indicating and the point I was trying to make was you're pretty much indicating that Zowie B is going to be a free agent unless she's coming off the bench or unless Collier is coming off the bench. New York's in an interesting position considering that their starting center is a free agent 
And there's rumors that they could possibly use the number one overall pick on Collier, who is a center. So I think that they should either focus on free agency to try to figure out how to build around Sabrina or even use the number one pick on a, on a player that could help Sabrina out on the offensive side. Or if you draft Collier, then I would let go of Zowie B. So I think I agree with you to a certain extent that center might not be the biggest position. I'll touch on maybe two of the ladies that I think might fit better at the spot. The reason why I brought it up, I'm going to read something from this blog called W Basketball Blog uh, that I think is pretty interesting on the New York Liberty situation at number one overall. So just kind of hear me out. So what it says is, the New York Liberty have the first pick of the uh, the first pick for the second straight year after they selected Sabrina Ionescu with the first pick last year. For the first overall picks, teams should select the best player available regardless of position. This year, that player is Charlie Collier from Texas. She's got a ton of potential to be really great in a future star player. She will not be as pro ready as Sabrina Ionescu or some of the other former number one overall picks. But she is, in my opinion, the best player to be taken overall, and the Liberty should pick her. So I think that's the big question that we have to touch on is potential and production, because it sounds like initially this is going to be one of the more raw prospects that that comes out as a number one overall pick. It is really interesting that it's from Texas because you, th- you look at the history of Texas overall the last couple of seasons when it comes to the center position in the men's league, so obviously players like Mo Bamba, who had a very similar readout in terms of being one of the better players on the board in the NBA draft that year, but he was very raw and still had a lot of stuff to figure out in terms of his overall game. I think another player who was kind of similar coming out of Texas is Jared Allen, who's still kind of getting his feet wet in the league, but has been making his name as a, as a legitimate shot blocking big at the same position. So I find that kind of interesting that that's kind of the dynamic where it's we're going off a of BPA here, best player available in terms of going after Charlie Collier at the at the at the top of the draft. But I think I do to a certain extent agree with you. I think um, Ari McDonald, our Arizona significant score, I think that would be huge. A uh, big uh, big name on the podcast been brought up a couple of times is Dana Evans. I think that's another one that can legitimately play her way, especially with the NCAA tournament, can legit play her way into the number one overall pick as another off guard slash lead guard next to Sabrina. So I think they have some legitimate options. I don't know, Ryan. I think the fact that they have as much versatility option-wise between the draft and what they're going to be able to do in free agency, I think getting Bettina Laney is going to look more and more like a better move down the line as we see how their roster fills out. I think it's interesting that the article mentions get the number one pick no matter what. Get whoever is slated to be the number one overall pick no matter what. Because I had a thought that just came to my mind after we started talking about this. I was thinking, who could possibly be a number one overall pick outside of Charlie Collier? I would say Ari McDonald out of Arizona is is a solid choice. Dana Evans from Louisville, I think that's another another choice as well. This is going to be a hot take, and I think it might be interesting if I say this. Kiana Jeter? From Towson could be a top five pick. 
I mean, right now, she's not really slated anywhere. I have to do a little bit more research in terms of seeing it. But with some of the mock drafts I've seen, I haven't seen anything about being drafted, unfortunately. I think she's, to a certain extent, being slated as an overseas player. But I think that she could definitely play herself onto a roster. I feel like she's one of those players that I don't know would be a number one overall pick. I also do have my questions about how she would fit next to Sabrina just because they both are high-volume scorers. Kiana is a robber, for real, for real, when it comes to the defensive end. But at the end of the day, she knows how to put the ball in the basket. And that's definitely going to be a really good skill to have at the next level, regardless of what team she ends up on. Now, I think number one overall pick could potentially be a little bit strong. But if we go down and look, New York has the fifth pick in the second round. That could be a really good spot to sneak. And they have the first pick in the in the third round. So they have a couple of shots at it. I mean, they also have the fifth pick in the third round as well. So they've got a couple of options, a couple of chances where they could potentially lean on that. And Kiana could come off the bench as a significant three-point shooter and a good shot creator for herself and for others off the bench for New York. It would also be a really nice flair player to have on a franchise that significantly kind of needs all the star talent and pizzazz that they can get. Sabrina's obviously the first domino to fall in that cog, in that system when it comes to you know, bringing the best out of this team. I think Kiana could definitely fall into that category as well. But I think if we're talking about at the top, I think that the player that might be argued the most is going to be Ari McDonald. She seems like she's the second player, uh, best player on the board for most boards that I've seen. But I think Dana Evans is another one out of Louisville who is at, I mean, Louisville's at the top of the game right now in, the, uh, in women's college basketball. And I think in the in the tournament where we know that's where names are made, I think that's exactly where she might even be able to play herself to the top of the draft. But it just goes to show you that whether it's Collier, McDonald, Evans, wild card, <laughs> Jeter, wild card, that they have some moves that they can make and they got some picks to play with, which makes them really scary. So I think that their offseason is going to be a super success if they just lean all in and focus on getting more help for Sabrina. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans what do you believe has been the biggest free agency move so far? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.